It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, bad loss, obviously. Uh, you know, we start the game uh, just not playing well. Not playing well. Uh, uh, and, uh, I mean, you know, when uh, we got the lead, you know, we had a good uh, good thing going. You know, we were aggressive. Uh, we were getting deflections. Uh, we got into the ball more. We were on point with the Veers, uh, with uh, Porzingis. And uh, Veers, when you, uh, you know, you go back to the uh, big on the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, <coughs> And yeah, and then uh, and then uh, you know we kind of stopped playing that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just passive defensively, uh, not not aggressive, not on the ball, and and yeah, that's pretty much game. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed a Locked On Magic. Today is February 22nd, 2020. My name is Philip Rossman-Mike. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll recap the Magic's loss to the Dallas Mavericks from Friday night. Talk about the, the big issue that's kind of keeping this team from being what it could be and certainly held them back against Dallas on Friday. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown from the Mavericks perspective of this game? Check out Locked On Mavericks. Want to look ahead to Monday's gargantuan match against the Brooklyn Nets? Check out Locked On Nets. No matter which team you're interested in learning more about, which team you're curious about, which team you frankly dislike and don't care for at all, you can find a Locked On podcast for you. Just search wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. An NBA game is quite long. It, 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 the 48 minutes really is, I would say, a test of champ, a test of champions and certainly a test of men. It's different than the 40-minute game at the college level, certainly much different than the 32-minute that you see at the high school level, at least here in Florida. It is a winding road, and, and as, as plenty of people will point out to you, leads are relatively meaningless. They can be erased fairly quickly and built back up just as fast. Getting through a full 48 minutes is a tough task. But even in those moments where you're struggling, even in those moments where you find yourself down, you learn a lot, and those issues don't go away. The same things that prove that you could come back are also the things that say or make you ask, why were you down in the first place? And... While there was a brief window of brilliance from the Orlando Magic in this game, a very brief 
opening where the team played exactly how they need to play in passing lanes, getting after getting after players, into, into players physically to, to bump them off pick and rolls and prevent them from running their sets effectively. Even though the whole team at various junctures seemed completely in line with, with how they need to play and what they need to do on a nightly basis. Even though that was certainly the case. For too much of the game, it was not. For the critical parts of the game, it was not. And frankly, whenever you're building yourself out of a hole, whenever you are digging yourself out of the grave, so to speak, out of a a large deficit, whenever you are doing that, you're putting yourself too far behind to start with. The Orlando Magic started this game on the complete wrong foot coming out of the All-Star break. Their offense was, I would say, a little too determined to set up post-ups. When they did get open threes, they just missed them. And again, there's a bigger question, I think, to ask about that, about why you're missing so many open threes. But the Magic got open looks throughout much of this game and missed them. Missed them bad. Magic making just one of their first 10 three-pointers and ultimately only 9 of 43 attempts. They took a lot of three-pointers in this game. And, you know, I haven't looked at the numbers yet, but I would venture to guess majority of them were good shots. But that's the shot teams want the Magic taking. And as the Magic missed open shot and open opportunity after open opportunity, the Mavericks attacked. And the pick and roll, most notably. Luka Doncic getting to the basket or hitting step-back threes, you can, you can live with them, some of those. But the Magic's inability to scramble to cover Kristaps Porzingis early on dug them an 18-point hole. But like I said, an NBA game is long. The Magic found some spark in the second quarter behind some of their bench players and especially behind Markel Fultz. And then found the spark again in the third quarter. This time their defense was scrambling, was doing all the things it has to do, all the things that it must to succeed. Evan Fournier scored 18 of his 27 points. Or, yeah, 18 of his 28 points, excuse me, in that third quarter. Hitting three-pointers and and making shots all around the perimeter. Getting to the basket. The Magic were able to finally set up Nikola Vucevic, who struggled mightily in the first quarter and the first half. As he was on his way to 27 points, he finally looked like he had, you know, this, had his his head on his shoulders with 12 rebounds to go with go with that. And the Magic were back in the game, taking a one point lead because big deficits, big margins, aren't that meaningful in the NBA. They can disappear very quickly, but they can build back up just as quickly. And at the end of the third quarter. The Magic gave the game back away. And it was all because of their defense. The Mavericks returned to running the pick and roll, finding Maxi Kleba on, I believe, three straight possessions at the rim. Then he started hitting threes in the, thir- in the fourth quarter. And the Magic just didn't have it anymore. Their defense had let go of the rope. Not even let go of the rope. They, they, weren't, even, they weren't even holding on to the rope to begin with. And... That attention to detail the Magic have talked about so much 
throughout the All-Star break and throughout leading into this game, it was gone. The Magic were no longer that team. And the Magic were no longer competitive with a team like the Mavericks. It's probably too simplistic to say it this way. Because, again, the Magic had the lead in the third quarter. But Orlando outscored the Dallas Mavericks by nine points in the second and third quarter. They got outscored by nine in the fourth. So they broke even for the final three quarters of the game. Trailing by 16 after one quarter was really what buried them. Not coming out with the right effort and intensity and energy and focus, to be to be blunt. The Magic had the kind of defensive effort that makes you question the kind of effort that they put in. And yeah, there were there were a lot of... I mean, I'm not one to ascribe effort or, or anything to, to players like that, but there are definitely some plays that made you sit and wonder. That forced you to pause and think to yourself, what are you doing? Get back on defense. And defensively, the Magic just were always on their back foot. And to me... While the shooting is a concern, the Magic shoot just 39.4% for the game, 9 for 43. Get 104 shots in this game. They had 16 offensive rebounds. Just 11 second chance points. The Magic had plenty of offensive opportunity in this game. They scored 106 points isn't a ton, but for this team it should be enough, especially with the looks they're getting. Especially with the defense they're capable of playing. And regardless of anything else, you know, maybe it would have been a close game. You know, Magic, Magic's offense needs work. But the heart and soul of this team is its defense. And more than anything else, that has to be the concern right now. The Magic's defense was terrible against the Dallas Mavericks. Absolutely terrible. And it wasn't that Dallas had great playmakers. Luka Doncic made some great plays to beat the Magic. And if you lose on a Luka Doncic step back three, so be it. Let that happen. What you cannot do is lose because you mix up your pick and roll coverages, which happened on several occasions. You cannot lose because you lose track of Kristaps Porzingis around the three-point line or Maxi Kleba on drives or or going to the basket. You cannot lose like that. And that's how the Magic lost. That's how the Magic lost this game. Dallas Mavericks defeat the Magic 122-106. to leaving us with a whole lot more questions about this team's defense. Questions that, frankly, aren't something you can answer tactically. It's something much more innate and inside this team that has to come out. playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba available on youtube and wherever you get podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day 
Let's run through the final box score for you real fast before we talk a little bit more about the Magic's defense again. Orlando shoots just 39.4% in the game, 41 for 104. Uh, the Magic are not going to have many games where they, they're playing with enough possessions to shoot 100 shots, but to get 104 shots, they, they shoot 20 more shots than the Mavericks do. 16 offensive rebounds, only 5 for 15 on second chance point opportunities, 11 second chance points, 11 points in transition, 4 for 11 shooting. Um, only eight turnovers. They score 16 points off 16 Dallas turnovers. The Magic offensively, honestly, they put themselves in good positions for the most part. Um, early on in the game especially, the Magic got open looks. Uh, James Ennis missed, uh, missed three three-pointers early on in the game starting for the team, which was an odd decision, I have to say. I, I, I do think Wessel Wondu's played well and played well in that spot. I, I did not think it was, I thought it was very odd that, that Ennis got the call, but... Um, certainly the Magic are trying to find balance with their rotations with DJ Augustine coming back now too. So um, got to find ways to get a one in there. I, I think I think a one still a more valuable player, uh, you know, although I, I get trying to give Ennis a test run. They did acquire him. He's kind of the new toy to play with a little bit. But um, it, it, the problem offensively is not always for lack of execution. There are definitely execution problems later in the first quarter. And as the Magic struggled to shoot more, it, it became more prevalent. But um, we did see Orlando make good plays offensively. Um, you know, again, I, I think they—I don't think the Magic's offensive problems are as much schematic as the numbers would suggest. Um, it's just about—it's about making shots. I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's really hard to, to to analyze this team any further. It's—it's—it's it's, it's, yes, there are, and there were plenty of possessions where I was like. Balance the floor better. There's there's one guy on you know they there were certainly a few plays where they isolated a player on one side of the floor and the Magic don't have any isolation guys so doing that I think is silly and stupid. Um, but then he passed it to a guy at the top of the key and all of a sudden the floor is completely unbalanced and there's no space for that guy to do anything. Um, and certainly he's in a more crowded situation to begin with because. Uh, all the all the players are on one side of the floor, and they're not even like spread out on the corner. They're like right along the the elbow or the mid or the mid post area. And so, I mean, again, there there are schematic problems with this Magic offense, but um, a lot of a lot of the issues are are, are not necessarily execution. It, it, it's 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 ma- it's making and missing shots. And again, I do believe that you can live with making or missing shots. If you lose a game because you miss open shots, you should be able to live with it. But this Magic team is not going to win any games shooting 43 three-point attempts. Um, you go down the list of three-point shooters. Nikola Vucevic, 1 for 7. Aaron Gordon, 0 for 3. James Ennis, 0 for 3. Markel Fultz, 0 for 2. Uh, Terrence Ross, 3 for 8. Gary Clark, 0 for 2. In fact, only three players made three-point shots in this game. Evan Fournier was 5 for 12, so 5 of the 9. Terrence Ross was 3 for 8. Nikola Vucevic, 1 for 7. Um, I, I, I think... I don't think Nikola Vucevic has had a good season. Like, let's be abundantly clear on that. But I think part of Vucevic's problem is he is shooting way too many three-pointers. And I don't care if they're open. Popping to the three-point line for Nikola Vucevic should be a once-in-a-while thing to keep defenses honest. At the end of the day, and again, and I mentioned this to someone in the media room afterwards, if this is the struggle that Nikola Vucevic has to go through to get to being a 38% three-point shooter like Brooke Lopez was last year for the Milwaukee Bucks, so be it. Um, you know, I, I, if, if this is just a struggle that we have to go through where Vucevic is getting used to playing 
NBA level, the NBA as a three-point shooter and as a true stretch five offensively, so be it. But in the present, it is really hard to live through. Um, This is, like I said, this has been a disappointing season for Nikola Vucevic. And he led the team in scoring with 27 points, 12 for 27, shooting one for seven from beyond there. That means he went 11 for 20 inside the paint. That is, what, a 55% field goal percentage? That's not great, but you can live with that. Um, again, if you, the, the issue with Nikola Vucevic is, is it has been he's taken too many three-pointers. He's averaging around five three-point field goal attempts per game. Um, and he's not as efficient in the low post as he was last year. Last year, he was, you know, point, what does it say, point nine one or 0.92 points per possession on post-ups, which is pretty good. This year, he's around like 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7, somewhere, somewhere in the upper 0. 0.6 is low 0.7s, um, which is not good. I mean, uh, you know, they've, they've had this debate about Joel Embiid. Post-up play is very inefficient. But Nikola Vucevic is one of the best post-up players in the league, especially if you can create a mismatch for him in the low block. This year, he is missing those kinds of shots. And, and that's that's why Vucevic's number... I mean, so the two reasons Vucevic's numbers are really down this year is he's not shooting as efficiently in post-ups, and he's shooting way too many three-pointers. Again, if it's a development thing, and again, he's 29, 30 years old, so how much more are you going to develop... Brooke Lopez went through a lot of struggles as he learned to shoot three-pointers. And so if, if Vucevic becomes more of a Nikola Jokic-style inside-outside stretch five, and this is just the growing pains you have to go through to get there, so be it. But again, we don't know if that's the case. We don't know if that's what's going to happen. We don't know if that's the ultimate outcome of all these struggles. And um, I, 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 it's just frustrating to watch because... Vucevic is so vital to what the Magic's offense does. I mean, he was 0 for 3, I think, on three-pointers, or 0 for 2 on three-pointers in the first quarter, both of them wide-open shots. These are shots, you know, at a certain point, these 43 three-point field goal attempts the Magic are make, taking the most they've taken all season. At a certain point, it's the defense saying, go ahead and shoot him. I mean, at a certain point, defenses are simply daring the Magic to make these shots. And so, while I, I, I would agree with this, Nikola Vucevic was vital to the Magic coming back in the game. He made a lot of really nice defensive plays in the third quarter especially. He was not good defensively in the first quarter. But in the second half, made a lot of really good defensive plays that keyed the Magic's uh, uh, push to get back in the game. Was able to get the ball out quickly into transition. Was able to establish himself in the post. And that got the Magic going. So Nikola Vucevic is still very vital to what this team does. But... It's absolutely vital that he sets the tone for the team, too. It's, it's asking a lot of one guy who, frankly, the Magic probably shouldn't be asking this much for. But how Vucevic plays in the first quarter is imperative to the team. It sets the tone for everything the Magic do- does. It sets the tone for how the defense reacts to him, both as a shooter and as a roller. It's, you know, the defense is kind of given feeling the Magic out, and Essentially, what defenses are doing, and, and I think that's what Dallas did in this game, they're telling the mat, they're daring the Magic and saying, "Shoot the three early. Go ahead, shoot that three pointer early. If you beat us that way, we'll adjust our defense. We'll start covering you out there." And when the Magic don't make those three pointers early, a it charges the fast break on the other end, which Dallas, you know, they don't play at a fast pace, but they're a very efficient offense. And so, if you give them easy scoring opportunities, they're going to feast on them. But if you don't make that, then the defense is just going to stay walling up the paint, making it very difficult for the Magic to get get in the lane and get quality shots and frankly, just move the ball. So again, this is a dare. 
And, and the Magic need to be, I think, I, honestly, I think the Magic need to be a little bit smarter about how they attack this dare. I do think that, you know, not necessarily a pump fake because they're, they're again, like some of these shots, like James Ennis had wide open three-pointer. Some of this is, you're going to give us the three, okay, you know, maybe we missed the first one. And, and I don't think the Magic should lose confidence in that shot. I mean, if they're open, take them. I, I'm not going to debate an open shot. But I do think the Magic need to be more willing to say, if we got time on the shot clock, I'm going to take two steps in, I'm going to take a mid-range jumper, and I'm going to make it because I can make that shot more reliably than I can make a three-point shot. The, 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 the myth of analytics is that you should never take mid-range jumpers. That's, that's not true. Analytics would say, if you are more efficient taking mid-range jumpers then three-point shots take mid-range jumpers. This Magic team is not efficient as a three-point shooting team. They are not a good enough three-point shooting team. Nikola Vucevic is a good 17, 18-foot jump shooter. If the three-pointer isn't falling, pop to the elbow. You know, find a way to engage the second level of defense because that will get you the corner threes, which are more effective or more efficient, or get the ball to your better shooters like Evan Fournier. And I think that's... I think that's what the Magic are losing right now. I, I think I think they're falling into this trap. Again, the Magic took a season-high 43 three-point attempts in this game. 9 for 43, 20.9%. I, I looked it up. The Magic have taken 12, have 12 games this year with 35 or more three-point field goal attempts. They are 3-9 in those games. They've won just three times. I, 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 and I actually think that might be 13 now, so they might be 3-10. Um, this is not a three-point shooting team. I, I believe this last year, and I think they found a nice balance last year. They should be taking about 33-point field goal attempts per game. You know, sometimes less, sometimes a hair more. But if they're shooting 43, you know, there might be one, maybe two out of, you know, four. There might be one or two out of six or seven times where they're making enough three-pointers to justify shooting that many. More often, and, and, and this is the bet defenses are making, more often than not, they're not going to make make those shots. So, I really think Orlando, I mean, again, Evan Fournier had 18 of his 26, uh, 27, uh, 28 points in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter. He made five of 12 three-pointers. Like, he he had it rolling, and, you know, when you have it rolling, you can you get a little bit more liberty to take those shots. Um, but I think offensively, Orlando really came down to settling, not not settling, but taking the open three-pointers Dallas was willing to give them. And it's, that's literally what it was. Dallas was willing to give them. I don't want the Magic doubting they can make shots. I don't want them hesitating because, you know, in, in this game, if you hesitate, you you die. Um, if, if you hesitate, you're, you're not going to hit the shot. But Orlando's execution is fine. It's just a matter of the shot quality and the shooters of, the, of those shots. It's not, I'm not, no one's going to kill you if you take a step in, if you make the shot. This team's offense is so bad right now that I'd rather make, I'd rather make a mid-range jumper than miss an open three. I mean, I, I think that's really what it comes down to at this point is, is the Magic just need to be smarter with where those shots are coming from because the shots they're getting, even if they're open right now, are not falling. Um... That was a little long-winded, uh, overarching explanation. Uh, Nikola Vucic, again, 27 points, 12 rebounds, 4 steals, 12 for 27 shooting, 1 for 7 from beyond the arc. As I mentioned, Evan Fournier, 28 points, 10 for 19 shooting, 5 for 12 from beyond the arc. Both did a really good job getting the Magic back into the game uh, in the third quarter. They were they were the catalyst of 
the team uh, getting in there. I thought Fournier was a little too invisible. I didn't think the Magic ran enough stuff for Fournier in the first half. Um, I thought that was a huge mistake. Um, it, it felt like uh, it felt like Orlando was trying to set up Gordon in the post and Vucevic on the three-point line, which, you know, in theory, I guess that makes sense, but Gordon's not a good enough post-up player to consistently go to him in that spot. And, and, Fournier, and Gordon, of course, had to, had to defend Luka Doncic and, and struggled on that on that really. Um, so, you know, Gordon ends up four for 13, 10 points, 12 rebounds, seven assists though. So, he, you know, he, it wasn't like he was, I, I didn't think he played poorly. I, I felt like he struggled in the first quarter against the, against the, um, against Doncic, but really picked up. And I thought he was really good in the third quarter against Doncic. Again, the Magic was just really good in the third quarter, really bad elsewhere. So, um, Gordon did a good job getting others involved. Um, just didn't have a shot tonight, shot on Friday. Um, Markel Fultzy, really the only other player worth mentioning. 14 points, 7 for 12 shooting, 9 assists. Um, before he left, he played 25 minutes, left with a calf cramp. Um, Fultz was really the only guy that was really good the entire night through. Um, it, it's I've said this on this show before. The Magic need to run more offense through him. They need to let him kind of guide the team. He is the only player willing to take it into the paint, uh, really, really willing to willing and able to break down, break guys down off the dribble and, and kind of keep the defense off balance, which I think is a huge thing. He's really good at changing pace. Dallas dared him to shoot too, and he made his shots um, again. And so when that happens, everything opens up for him. And again, it's it's the same deal with, with the whole team. Uh, teams dare him to shoot and beat them on the perimeter, uh, off the perimeter, and and he has to, he has to beat them on that dare. Uh, and, and and largely he has. I mean, I think defenses are going to have to... I mean, defenses, I think, understand the jumper is still what they should give up with him. But he's really... I mean, he's really good. He's got to get a little bit better finishing at the rim, but he's good at getting to the rim and, 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 and creating opportunities for himself there. Um, I I really, really, really like Marco Fultz. I thought Marco Fultz had a fantastic game. Um, the calf cramp really the only thing slowing him down. And, and by then, the, the lead had already started to to dissipate as, as the Magic had taken out Fournier and Vucevic at that point. Um, Dallas shoots 51.2% from the floor. Uh, they get uh, 33 points from Luka Doncic, 16 of those in the first quarter. He finishes with 10 rebounds and 8 assists. 4 for 8 from beyond the arc as well. 24 points from Kristaps Porzingis, a career-high 26 points from Maxi Kleba. It was Kleba's run in the early fourth quarter that put the game firmly out of reach. Orlando just breaking down defensively against him, and, and that's really what this game came down to in the end. Like I said, the Magic did plenty to get good shots and get quality shots, but it was the defense itself that that really struggled in this game, and, and it's the defense that's had the most difficult questions to answer right now. The Magic fall to the Mavericks, 122-106 to 106 at the Amway Center on Friday. They're back in action Monday against the Brooklyn Nets. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? 
Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. But like I said, the offense is the offense. Certainly didn't expect it to be this bad, certainly didn't expect it to struggle this much and to, to, to really have to be fighting and clawing to, to get out of the rubble, so to speak. It, it, it was never supposed to be this way. But nobody entering this year thought the Magic's offense would be good. In fact, Steve Clifford kind of mapped out that the way for the Magic to succeed and, and take their next step this year was for the offense just to be in the top half of the league. Now, being 27th is certainly not good, but the expectations for this team's offense was always tempered. But the other half of that formula was always that the Magic's defense would be in the top five. That the Magic would be one of the absolute best defensive teams in the league. And... You know, as we sit here, you know, I'm recording this on a Saturday afternoon. The Magic are still seventh in the league in defensive rating. They're not bad. They're not good. Well, they are good, but they're seventh in the league. They're still one of the best defensive teams in the league. Yet, continually, we have nights like Friday night. Over the last 15 games, in fact, the Magic have not been one of the best defensive teams in the league. And if you want to know what this Magic team looks like when their defense is not good, just look at the last 15 games where they are 5-10, and 5-11 and 11 over the last 16. This is a team that cannot score enough, that needs their defense to feed their offense. And while, yes, some of the odd offensive struggles this team has had certainly are playing a role in defensive focus and intensity, the Magic still expect more. The Magic still have to believe that their defense is better than this. And much of the talk throughout the All-Star break, throughout much of the, the team's time preparing for this sprint to the finish, was spent talking about getting the details down pat to playing better defense. But as Evan Fournier said at the top of this show, the Magic are playing passive defensively. From the very start of Friday's game, Luka Doncic did whatever he wanted against this team. Little resistance to stop him, little connection to the, to the pick and roll, little rotation, just poor defense overall. Steve Clifford really put it bluntly, honestly. Put it bluntly. When the Magic struggled against Maxi Kleba in the third and fourth quarter, it was basic defensive principles. And that's true. The Magic did not defend well at all. Did not do the very basic things that they have to do. 
And that's just not a formula for success for this team. Our focus has to be better uh, not attention to detail, executing the game plan, and making the extra effort. I mean, things we, we talked about over and over, and I think we just don't do it consistently. We have, you know, stretches when we do it, and we're really good at and, uh, and it sparks our offense as well, but then it's not consistent for 48 minutes. So, you know, that, that hurt us. And Dallas, you know, number one offensive team in the league. They had a lot of firepower, and uh, we just, you know, didn't do a good job. Undoubtedly, playing against Dallas is tough. They are the best offensive team in the league, but... The Magic offered very little resistance for much of the game. It wasn't just the third and fourth quarters. And again, you know, Mo Bamba rightly is getting criticism because he did not play well in this game. It's about, again, like I said earlier, the tone they set. The poor defense early on set the tone for the rest of the game. The Magic weren't ready to play, weren't, weren't with the right intensity or the right physicality or whatever it was from the very beginning. And like the shooting, it is something that... You can't really scheme around. You know, I, I asked Aaron Gordon what they need to do to fix this, and he said it's about technique. It's about playing a little bit harder. Again, I don't like to use that word, you know, loosely. But the Magic just quite simply have to play better, for lack of better description or better descriptor. Steve Clifford said before the game that the Magic's biggest issue of late has been individual defense. Keeping your man in front of you. Something they were good at last year but has been the weakest part this year. In fact, something that Steve Clifford has talked about all year long. Getting into your man. Playing physically with him. And being physical on the glass. It's been something that's been lacking and Dallas only had eight offensive rebounds in this game, but all eight seemed to be crushing. In fact, Dallas outscored Orlando with 13 second-chance points to Orlando's 11, even though Orlando had 16 offensive rebounds. There are little spurts of defensive brilliance, but nowhere near the effort and consistency that characterized last year. And again, it's been something that they've talked about over and over and over again. Like I noted, in their last 15 games, the Magic have a 113.5 defensive rating. They're about 106-107 for the year. That 113.5 defensive rating ranks them 21st in the league among all teams in their last 15 games. In fact, the Magic's net rating, because the offense has been about the same, but still pretty poor, the Magic's net rating puts them in the bottom five of the league for the last 15 games. The Magic right now are playing like one of the five worst teams in the league. So if you're frustrated by that, you should be. The numbers back you up. This team has not played well. And honestly, while the offense is a big concern, the Magic don't have the personnel to improve it. The Magic do have the personnel to play better defense. The Magic do have the reputation and the ability to play better defense. And it's not anything anyone can scheme. It's not anything anyone can say, be over here, do this more. It's about personal want to and will. It's about taking pride and building this identity that the Magic should already have. At this point, for the Magic, if they want to just even make the playoffs, because three-game lead over Washington felt very precarious last night after losing to Dallas, Washington playing Cleveland, that can go away very, very quickly. 
the Magic want to make something of the rest of the season, it's going to come on the defensive end. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Or find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore MD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. We'll see you again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.